Hello, and welcome to Shaken Heights, the podcast analyzing the novel Little Fires Everywhere by Celeste Amy. I'm Aislinn Bostick. Alright, so today's episode is basically a free choice um, episode. From what I understand, we basically get to choose any topic to um, compare to the book. Um, so I will be comparing some themes in the book to some themes that come up in the story of the band Gorillaz. Um, um, how I got the idea for this is basically um, I was getting really into the Gorillaz fandom and I was kind of looking for something to do the podcast on and I was like, you know what, we could compare these two things and it'll give me an excuse to research more. <laughs> about the fandom and the backstory and everything, so why not? It, it'll be fun. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's probably something to note, is that I've only been in this for, like, two weeks. <laughs> um, uh, if you don't know what Gorillaz is, uh, how to define it, um, Gorillaz is an animated band, so... Like, there are four, like, main characters, but there are several that have went in and out over the several phases that there have been, um, animated characters that are, like, the band, but, like, they're not real, they're, like, animated characters, they're, like, cartoon characters, and then there's, like, a couple of people who sing, and then, like, there are voice actors, I'm not sure if the voice actors are also we also sing I don't know that would ruin the magic if I knew so <laughs> um they basically through their music through multiple places on social media um they post they talk about stuff and through all of that media and stuff that you kind of have to collect on your own um it kind of joins together as their story. Um, probably a big thing that conveys that is the their music videos to their music. Um, and then also, like, the little clips and interviews and stuff they'll do with people over, like, live streams and stuff. The whole story itself is, like, really too big and complicated for me to really just explain on the podcast right now. That would have to be, like, a whole other series. Um, but, uh, well, what's in it? There's, there's ghosts and demons, and I think there's aliens at one point, and pirates, um, and at one point, uh, Ace from the Powerpuff Girls. From the original Powerpuff Girls, he was a guitarist. No, he wasn't a guitarist. He was a bassist for a little bit while their bassist was in jail. Um, so the Powerpuff universe and the Gorillas universe are like the same. It, it, it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. It's there's lots of stuff. It's interesting. <laughs> um, but I'm probably gonna be ta- talking a little bit about some of the characters that are in the Gorillaz universe and compare them to some of the characters from Little Fires. Uh, 
maybe not like them themselves and their personalities, but maybe like some themes that go that kind of surround those characters and like their experiences. Um, so yeah. <laughs> so going through some basic backstories of Majora's characters, um, the four main characters, um, he's Murdoch, Chudi, Moodle, and Russell. Um, so Russell is the drummer. He is possessed by ghosts. Well, I don't think he is anymore, but he was at the beginning, and that's important. Um, especially by Dell, who was one of his bre- best friends that died. Um, there's Moodle. She joined the gorillas around the age of 10. She was an ex-super soldier from Japan, and basically the backstory on that was like they were teaching all these kids to be super soldiers and then that didn't work out and she was the only one that survived um tootie was working in his uncle's factory um and then murdoch ran through the wall of the factory to try to steal some synths to make the band and hit tootie fractured one of his eyeballs caused him to go into a coma and then Murdoch was charged for caring for him. So Murdoch shoves 2D in his car, does a 360, 2D goes smashing out the front of the car, and he ends up fracturing his other eyeball. But he comes out of the coma. So he gets up, and Murdoch sees him. He's like, oh dang, he looks really cool now. He's gonna be a part of my band. So 2D's part of the band. I guess technically you could say Murdoch's not a part of it, but I mean... Actually, I think Ru- I think Russell was kidnapped by Murdoch too. Huh. Anyway, anyway, Murdoch is basically he claims to be the leader of the group. Um, he's kind of what holds it together, but he's also like the antagonist. It's complicated. It's complicated. Um. Basically, he's a Satanist that sold his soul, but, like, he hasn't actually given his soul to the devil to form the band and basically have this legendary band. Um, and he pretty much forces everybody that's in the band to be in the band. I guess except for Noodle, because Noodle was shipped to them in a box after the super soldier thing didn't work out. Um... So, yeah, those are the four that I'm going to be talking about. So, yeah, really interesting group. Um, That was, like, a long time ago. Now they're all in, like, their 30s to 50 range in year terms. So a lot has happened in between that time. But, uh, yeah, let's go ahead and get started. So, starting with Noodle and Russell, um, I'm putting them together because I feel like their themes kind of tie into the same thing. Um, but anyways, with Noodle, like I said, she was an experiment by the Japanese military, I believe it was, and it was possibly even a nuclear explosion. But, anyways, she was an experiment to basically become a super soldier with 22 other kids, um, and they eventually found out that it was too dangerous because they would be, they would be so powerful that they would be too hard to control, um, so they killed off 
all of the kids except for Noodle. Um, and she managed to escape, to escape. She got shipped in a box to their recording studio, to the Gorillas recording studio, and popped out of the box, did a guitar riff, said some stuff, and at the end, at the very end said Noodle, and that's how she got her name. Um, before she was shipped, she was shipped by the help of with the help of somebody who had been a part of the super soldier program and he basically gave her like mind control amnesia because they were being very highly trained and like very controlled in that experiment so like she he basically gave her amnesia and the code word was ocean bacon so going back to um the gorillas recording studio um she hung out with them for a little while they ended up splitting up and she decided to go back to japan to find more about her past um she really couldn't speak that much english at that point i mean she could talk about having cool shoe shine but i mean other than that not much <laughs> um um so she goes back to Japan to find out about her past, um, and she is sitting in either a restaurant or a bar, and she hears somebody do the code word, say the code word, Ocean Bacon, and then all of her memories come back to her, and then she basically finds herself, and after that, she accidentally releases a demon, and then she has to chase it like all through Japan to kill it. Um, and then she goes back to the band with her newfound identity. Um, for Russell, Russell was working at a record shop before he got kidnapped by Murdoch. But, um, even before that had happened, it, like, pretty much straight from the get-go, he just kind of had this weird attraction towards the supernatural like during school he was possessed and he got um I just said the word earlier I forgot it exercised exercised he got exercised and then later on he was hanging out with some friends um on the side of the road or something I believe he was in a car um and they were hanging out, and, uh, uh, Humvee full, full gang members came out and shot all of his friends, and he was the only one that survived, um, and all of their spirits possessed him. Um, like I said earlier, the main one was Dell. um, he was a rapper, all of his friends, all of Russell's friends were musically gifted. Um, so, and, so, the main one is Del, and Del comes out a couple times, um, most no notably during the song Clint Eastwood, um, and later on he gets exercised again, and then he starts to go a little nuts, but, um, with Russell, what's interesting is that, like, a lot of his musical talent and stuff, it, you could kind of say, comes from the fact 
that his past haunts him. <laughs> um, um, like how all of his friends are kind of like still haunting him. And with Ringel, um, she really isn't up to her full ability or capability until she goes back and finds her her past and finds her memories and kind of gets back her identity. Um, so I feel like that's an important theme to talk about, but being um, tied to little fires, is that um, things in your past can tie into your present. Like, things can tie you back to your past. Um, I have a clip here talking about Maya's relationship with Warren. On page 188, only her brother, Warren, seemed to understand the hidden layer she saw in things, and then they had always had an understanding since before he had been born. My baby, Mia would say to anyone who would listen, tapping her mother's belly with a finger, and infallibly Warren would kick in reply. My baby, in there, she informed strangers in the grocery store, pointing. When they brought him home from the hospital, she had immediately claimed him as her own. So Mia's relationship with Rin is a really important part of understanding her relationship with Pearl. Um, Rin and Mia were really, really, really close. Um, they did everything together. They had their own words for things. Um, as Mia's mother said, you'd think she was the mother. Um, and they were inseparable up until Rin's death. Um, and them being so close, uh, before, even before he was born, she had a very maternal instinct towards him. Um, it's no surprise that afterwards, later on down the line, um, she had made this arrangement with the couple who wanted to adopt her baby, who wanted her to conceive their baby and adopt it, that, um, she would end up changing her mind and wanting to keep Pearl, because in a way, Pearl, her relationship with Pearl is almost filling in that hole that she has from her loss of Rin. And this is something that is shown through her relationship with Pearl. Um, she's very close to Pearl, and she doesn't really trust anybody else. And that might also partially be because she was so close with Rin or Warren, um, and she was very close with him, and he was the only thing that she had. And first of all, she had already shut everybody else out because she didn't need them. But then to lose the person closest to you, it's, it would be very hard to let pe other people back into your life. Um, so with her relationship with Pearl is probably the closest she can get to anybody else in her life. And that's something that may have caused her to diverge from society is just the fact that she can't open up to anybody and that she really doesn't want to. She has no need for the rest of society whenever she's so like shut into herself and whenever she has Pearl and her photography because her photography is an escape for her. Um, so... Her past is probably a lot of what's driving her to behave the way she does. 
moving on. So again, comparing the books to um, gorillas, uh, I'd like to touch a little bit on 2D and his relationship with Murdoch. Um, so again, like I was saying earlier, 2D was working in his uncle's factory, gets hit by Murdoch. Um, that kind of starts their relationship. Um, Murdoch, throughout the gorilla's time span, kidnaps 2D multiple times um, to get him to play music for the band. Um, 2D doesn't really have much say in that. He doesn't really fight back. Um, 2D has always been described as uh, not very smart, kind of dumb. Um, and pretty much the only thing that he's really good at is music is being musically adept. And Murdoch really abuses that skill and kind of oppresses 2D. Um, 2D really doesn't feel comfortable around Murdoch, um, and that's not really hugely... It, it's shown, but then it's really emphasized whenever Murdoch goes to jail and he's replaced by Ace, um, who was the original leader of the Gangrene Gang in the Powerpuff Girls. Um, and 2D basically talks about how he enjoys Ace's company better. Um, so the oppressive environment that Murdoch puts 2D in um, reminds me vaguely of the environment that Mrs. Richardson puts, I mean, technically all of her kids, but especially Izzy. It really emphasizes the uh, environment that she puts Izzy in where um she she is ba she basically whenever she's born has a lot of health problems and Mrs. Richardson is like watching over her and like making sure that nothing bad happens and then as she grows up Rich Mrs. Richardson just because this really like tight overbearing mother over Izzy compared to the rest of her children because she doesn't want her to get hurt but in doing that, she actually hurts Izzy herself. Um, and whereas 2D doesn't really do anything about this problem, Izzy, on the other hand, is a very commanding, she pretty much does everything she can to subtly say that she is unhappy. Um, we see that through things like her clothes, um, her relationships, her behaviors, um, like her relationships with other people, especially Mia, and how Mia is basically teaching her to act out in a way that isn't bad. Similarly to how Mia uses her art to escape from the world, um, Mia teaches Izzy to rebel, to do rebel rebellious acts in a way that isn't harmful, but also allows her to release herself from society. Basing this off of Little Fires, you could almost say that the relationship between 2D and Murdoch is a reflection of the relationship of society's strict st standards along with the complacent public. Um, I'd like to get more specifically into Murdoch and how he kind of, how he is important to the band. 
So, focusing on Murdoch, he is a very complex character, I guess you could say. Um, there's a lot of people that love him. There's a lot of people that hate him. Um, I kind of like him. He he's a weird character. Um, you could almost call him an an antagonist in a way because he's always causing problems for the band. Um, but yeah, focusing on his past, um, he sold his soul to the devil for the band to get the band. Um, he got his bass from that deal as well. Um, and he never actually, like, gave his soul to the devil. He just made the deal to do it. And then he tried to get out of doing that. And then, well, well kind of, he was, he, he was sort of, in a way, he was just taking too long to do that. So, he, so the devil sent the boogeyman after him. And the boogeyman hadn't been chasing him. Until he pretty much faked his death and ran off. So, yeah, even though Murdoch considers himself, like, the leader of the group, he's probably the one that, like, causes the most trouble for the group. A pretty good example of this is Plastic Beach. The Plastic Beach incident. Um, he was... He was basically living on an island of trash, and I believe he was trying to get the band back together. Um, and then his past kind of comes back to haunt him because he was selling faulty weapons to pirates. And then the pirates found out that they were faulty weapons, and they got mad. And then they bought new, better weapons, and they went and they attacked Plastic Beach. Um, so that's kind of... <laughs> uh, that that was a problem that he caused that kind of ended up getting the whole band involved. Honestly, throughout the time span, it seems like he's kind of been getting more and more angry and forceful and toxic towards the other band members, uh, which is kind of sad. Um, in the earlier, in the er like in the earlier videos and um things, there's more of like a comic, uh, like a comical appeal to his relationship with the band, but now it's much more focused on his extreme toxicity, especially towards 2D, like I was talking about earlier, um, and I think that's partially just because of his past and how he is focused on that single goal of getting greatness with this band. And I want to tie this into the theme of change because while all of the other characters are kind of growing and morphing and changing and evolving, he is still trying to round them up into the band and still trying to create songs and stuff. And again, that creates a toxic environment, but like also he he's kind of stifling the other characters. Um, and I think you can, I think you can really connect to that um, theme of change back to Little Fires, um, especially with a quote that I found earlier. Let me find it. Uh, okay. What Mia remembered of those moments was watching the blades of grass in the breeze, changing color as they went, from dark to light, 
like the nap of velvet when you brushed your hand over it. The way the stream of water broke itself into droplets as it splashed against the cup's rim. Everything, she noticed, seemed capable of transmogrification. Um, basically what that's saying is how Mia was constantly observing how things would change and change at different times and how they could be changed into something completely different even though they kind of stay the same. Um, and something that I talked about in an earlier episode, um, you could even, you could compare that ability to change things in a thing, to, to, of Mia's, to change things into something that they're not. Um, you could compare that with Mrs. Richardson's ability to change things into something that they're not, um, with the different senses of Mia's being in, our, in an artistic sense and almost in a positive, like, of all, always evolving, always changing sense, and Mrs. Richardson being in more of a social sense and for her own good, how she can bend things to her will. And when you think of that in terms of the band, it's kind of similar in that the the characters are always changing and growing and going on their own storylines and things, but the band itself is still kind of together and still doing its thing, even though it's evolved from what it previously was. Um, now, with, now, whether that's healthy for the band, um, whether that's something that can be stable and continue for the band is something that has yet to be seen. Um, something I think is important, though, that I'd like to connect to Little Fires is that, um, as I have been watching music videos and things, um, in a, I haven't really been watching them in order, to be honest, I've been very spotty, <laughs> but I've seen people in the comments of videos noting that throughout time, Murdoch has slowly turned green, um, and a lot of people theorize that that's because he wants everything to stay the same, he wants everything to be as it was, uh, I don't know, ten years ago, um, and he's, and that's kind of like a symbol of that, um, um, so, like, when you're doing it for selfish reasons, you can't always make things what you want them to be. Um, you can't always, um, you know, keep the band together. You can't always bend things to your will to make them what you want. You can't always control everything. Um, and I feel like that's a symbol of that. You know, in the end, I think you do eventually have to let things change, um, and, um, basically that you can't always keep things the way that you want them to be. You can't make anyone be what they don't want to be. Um, and if you try to, it ends in disaster, you know? Um, Murdoch turned green. Who knows what'll happen next to him? Um, Mrs. Richardson, her house burnt down and she lost one of her kids that she arguably cared the most about, even though her caring was basically being extremely forceful and toxic towards her. Um, it, yeah. <laughs> um, you can't keep everything the way you want them. Um, if you do, you, you might die. You might 
your house might burn down, your car might blow up, um, you might turn green and become an evil pickle. <laughs> um, I think that's really a running theme that's in both Little Fires Everywhere and um, the Gorilla's storyline. Um, um, and even though I've pretty much just like packed that entire storyline into my brain and I'm just like popping it out at random right now, um, I, I still see that theme as being a running theme um, in both the book and Little Fires. And even though Little Fires is done and we see how that plays out, um, I think it's a really important theme to learn. I feel like it's an important theme that you can continue on. Um, and with gorillas, with their storyline still being running, still going, um, I'm, exce I'm excited to see where that goes. Um, so yeah. Um, on that note, I think this will be the end of my podcast. Um, this is the final episode. Um, thank you guys for listening. Um, goodbye. <laughs>